Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. to another episode of Stay at Home Mom. Today I want to talk about a topic that can be kind of controversial, and that is the role of motherhood, how it is defined, what we think it really is. And our idea of what a mom is is shaped by everything around us, by society, by our own parents, by our grandparents, our extended family, our friends, our pastors, Uh, random people that we see in the mall raising their kids. We are influenced by everything around us. And we take in all this external input. We put it deep inside of us. And then we conjure what we think motherhood should look like. Sometimes we have these grandiose ideas of how amazing it's going to be to be a mother. Uh, We're going to play games and we're going to have fun and everything's going to be laughing and dancing and rainbows and lollipops. And some of us have no idea what motherhood is going to be like. Some of us think, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to do this. I didn't have a good example. Others of us think, you know, As long as we all eat every day, we have clean clothes and uh, a roof over our head and we're surviving, we're doing good. Like, that's that's enough. (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about how it looks in our family unit. And not just mine, not just the Goody family, but in everybody's families. Because we all interpret motherhood a little different. And I'm going to invite my husband, James to join me in this discussion because my idea of motherhood and how it looks has been shaped and transformed over the last 16 and a half years, 17 years. I'm going to start with a story about a good friend of mine who was struggling with some decisions in her motherhood when we both had very, very young kids. And we were part of the same mom's group, which was a wonderful group of ladies. It was very encouraging. We got together once a week. We prayed. Our kids played. We had fun. We got to go to the park. You know, it just, it was a good group of women. And this particular friend felt like she was being led to work outside of the home. And a lot of the other moms in that group were really discouraging her from doing that because they thought a mom's best place was to be at home. So they were telling her that she needed to trust God to provide for her family financially so that she could stay home. Well, She was having a major internal struggle with that, which I could totally understand and relate to. So she had come to me one day and she was telling me about what's going on. 
I hadn't been aware that this was a situation that she had been discussing with the other moms in the group. I don't know if I had missed that group day or <laughs> if, if it was something she was just doing one-on-one. But I remember talking to her and just hearing the despair in her voice and saying, you know, I feel like if I go to work, I'm being a bad mother. But I feel like if I don't go to work, I'm being a bad mother because I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And I remember telling her not to worry about what anybody else said, because the only person who knows what you were created to do and how you were supposed to do it is the one who created you. And these other moms, they're not washing your laundry. They're not taking care of your kids. They're not paying your bills. They aren't tending to your family in any way, shape, or form. They don't know what's best for your family. What happens in a family in the roles of a father and a mother is between that father and that mother and how they feel best grows, encourages, and fosters that family unit that they are creating. So I told her, I'm like, if you feel like you're supposed to get a job, girl, you go out there and you get a job and you trust that the Lord is going to provide everything that you need, whether it's a daycare, a car, whatever you need to get there, whatever you need to to fulfill what he's calling you to do, that's what you trust him for. You don't sit back and say, oh, well, this other mom said I'm supposed to stay home, so I'm just going to stay home and trust that the Lord provides for everything. Because if he's calling you to do something, then that's what you do. You obey your creator before you obey men every single time. And there's never, never, ever, ever, ever an excuse to deny what the spirit is leading you to do. Because if you do, and you try to follow the lead of these other people, the grace that is on your life will be lifted. And James and I have an example of that. Shortly after we had Anna, our oldest, I decided I was going to go back to work because financially it just makes more sense to have two incomes when you're starting a family. And I had my cousin babysitting. My cousin charged me so little that I was able to work just one hour a day to cover my whole child care, which was amazing. And I worked about six to seven hours a day. So financially, we should have been set. Well, we never financially got ahead. I would say that we probably had greater financial struggles in that time than we actually had success and relief. I think at that time, that's when my understanding of my role as a mother really started to develop. And when I say develop, I really mean transform, right? Because up until this point, my idea of what motherhood looks like or being a mom has come from all of these outside sources. But now I'm Now I'm looking within. Now I have to find what that actually means from within me. And I'm being challenged. My idea of what it should be like is being challenged. And that is a very difficult thing for many women to face. And that's why I want to invite my husband into this conversation. Because I feel like he has a lot of input He's been the one that has walked beside me. And in fact, I will say he absolutely has probably carried me through those darkest days of my motherhood journey. So how I define myself as a mother now has been greatly shaped 
by my husband's involvement in this journey of motherhood as we are navigating parenthood together. So I really want to invite him into this conversation because I feel like he has some great perspective and it's always great to get another perspective, right? So without further ado, (laughs) welcome to the podcast, husband. Thank you. Nice to be here. I appreciate you being here. So earlier we were kind of talking a little bit about this topic that I was bringing up and about how a lot of people in our society and in the church view motherhood extremely different. And society tells moms that they're really not doing everything they should unless they're in the workforce. And the church tells moms that they're really not doing everything right unless they are staying home. And how this is a serious struggle for a lot of moms. And I don't think there's necessarily a 100% correct way to go about this. I could be totally wrong. But in my perspective, I feel like it's kind of an individual basis in a in a family unit family unit decision. I would agree with that. I I strongly believe that if if you feel that you should go to work as a a woman then that's okay as long as you know everything works out in that direction if you feel like you should stay home then stay home like i i feel like it either way is fine as long as you're unified in that with your spouse right because if you're not if you're not making that decision together and you're just doing it on a whim So when I made the decision to go back to teaching and Anna went to my cousin's house and, and we were thinking we were going to financially get ahead and we really didn't, I, when I look back, I don't think that's something I actually prayed about. It was just a decision. I was like, I think this is what I need to do. And your response, do you remember what you, how you responded to that? Please go to work. No, I I don't remember. No. (laughs) No, you looked at me and you said, do whatever makes you happy. I will support you in whatever, whatever you want to do. That's what I'm going to support you in. That sounds like something that somebody like me would say. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds exactly like something you would say (laughs) because it is, it's exactly what you said to me. And I struggled. I struggled the whole time. I struggled with being away from Anna, I struggled being away from the home. And I feel like it put a greater strain on our marriage. And it wasn't because we weren't in agreement with what I was doing. But I don't think we were in line with what God's will was for our family. Yeah. It was especially hard on Anna, if you remember that too. She literally screamed her head off when you would leave. Mm-hmm. And I I can't even explain. She'd turn like tomato red and scream to the point where she would choke mm-hmm. and, and tire herself out so bad. That, I mean, she would fall asleep for 15, 20 minutes, wake up and scream again. And, and I'm talking such a scream that it, it was paralyzing to listen to. I mean, <laughs> you just wanted to pull your hair out. Um, she just needed her mom. You know, she wasn't ready for alone time with dad yet. And that's just, that was our family dynamic. That doesn't fit, you know, everyone else's family dynamic. That was just ours. And 
then you changed your mind at some point. Well, I think we started having a discussion because it started to create some tension between the two of us. And it became really uncomfortable. And we sat down because we started looking at our finances and going, okay, wait a minute. some It's not adding up. Like we should be having extra money mm-hmm. to pay things. And I feel like we have no extra money at all. When I'm, I was making good money, but it, I feel like that blessing, the grace, we stepped out from under it. Yeah. You definitely need to walk in what you're, I don't know how to say that. It's like you have a purpose and until you find out what that purpose is and you can walk in it. Yeah. Like you get a little bit of grace for things, but you really need to be in line with that purpose and what you're called to do. Because if you're not, then it something's always going to be missing. Things aren't going to jive right. I think that God has a path for everyone in their life. And I think of it like somebody walking through a woods on a path. And you get off the path, and it's more difficult to walk. Can you still get to where you're going? Yeah, you probably can. Is it going to be harder? You betcha. And there's going to be a lot of thorns along the way. So really staying on that path, it really should be our goal for everyone. And everyone's path is different. Mm-hmm. And the church teaches that women are supposed to stay home. I mean, a lot of churches, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say all, but a majority of the churches. Okay. The church, the churches that we went to (laughs) and the Bible college that we went to. We're not going to name names. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody, but the places that we were trained, we were brought up in Mm -hmm. the word. Mm -hmm. They, they gave a specific message to women and their role in a family and in a, hou- in a household. And, you know, I've mentioned earlier that it, w- it was a real struggle for me to transition to what my ideal of a mother looked like into what an actual mother looked like in my own family unit. And I think part of that was because, you know, I wasn't raised in the church and I had this input from society and my family that said, you know, you need to go out into the workforce and help provide financially. You need to do that so that all that burden's not on your husband. And then I also had this message coming from the church telling me, well, you're not going to be fulfilled until you are subservient to your husband, till you're meeting all the needs of your children. And I kind of felt like they were telling me I needed to be a slave to my family. Yeah. I think there was a big shift in society in maybe the mid to late eighties into the nineties that, um, you know, a woman could do a lot more than what she had in the past. She could become more, which is true. But I, I think people pushed women to do things they really didn't want or need to do. Hmm. Um, I also, you know, on the other side of that coin, think they did the same thing to men in the opposite direction. I, I believe they, they feminized men and demoralized them at the same time. Um, but I had a, a chance to really go deep into what the church was teaching because I, I was deeply involved in the music ministry at church and in the music ministry, you have to run sound, run the soundboard and and whatnot for all the events that happen at church. 
And one of my assignments was to run the sound for all of the um, wedding clinics, all the marriage clinics, um, anything that had to do Any with conference. That yeah, had to most do of with the conferences, but specifically the marriage conferences and the relationship conferences. And I, I remember, I, I mean, you sit through so many of them, and it gets very rhetorical, but. I remember sitting there as a young person thinking, this just doesn't add up to me. Like common sense would say, you know, this isn't right. You know, let alone your spirit. Um, you know, if you, you trust in God and you, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, he will let you know, you know, this is not right. And I got that check as a young person, didn't really know what to do with it at the time. You know, I was, I was young and, um, inexperienced Single. and not married, by the way. <laughs> right. Um, so I remember hearing things like, you know, and, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because this was a very long time ago. And I don't remember the exact <laughs> words, but, you know, wives submit to your husband. And this means you do whatever he says. And that was one of the things that really put a check in, in my heart. And, and I firmly believe that you know, a man and a woman, they're, they're equal. A man isn't designed to lord over his wife. And just the same, a wife can sometimes lord over her husband. And that's not the way we were designed. And until we realize that, I don't think anybody can really be happy. Well, and I think when we think about the equality of a man and a woman. It's not, we are create, we aren't created equal in the sense that I can do everything you can do, right? Or you can do everything I can do because we are created in his image, but we are created differently. If he wanted us to be exactly the same, he would have just created mm-hmm. two of the same thing. He, he wouldn't have created a man and a woman. He would have created a man and a man or a woman and a woman. He wouldn't need opposite things. And we need each other to, to be complete, you know, right. and, and to take that one step further, I mean, two men are completely different. One man can't right. do what another man can do. Yeah. Uh, one woman may not be able to do what another woman can do. We're all talented in certain specific areas. And, and that's what makes us um, whole, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. And in a marriage, you know, God puts a man and a woman together and they complete each other. It's not that a woman completes the man or the man completes the woman. They really complete each other. And I. And it's really hard to figure out what your role looks like when society is telling you mm, that you, that a woman looks like this and a man looks like this. And now we're at the point in society where they can't even tell you what a woman is and they just start calling you birth, birthing humans. You know, like it's, we're at, in, this is, you know, 40 some years since I've been born that they started not even being able to define a woman, but in the last 40 years, I think it, it really went from, you know, women, you can vote, you can, um, do all of these things that a a man can do, be a CEO, run a company. And and it went from that, which I think there was a lot of good in that, Mm -hmm. but it went from that to, you don't need a man you can do this on your own. You don't need this piece of trash really is, is what they were selling. Well, yeah, because that's what my dad told me as 10 years old. He's like, you're going in karate. Cause you're never going to ever be a victim to a man. You are always going to be able to 
be on top. You don't need, you don't need anybody else, right. you know? And, and I think that was really a disservice to women Absolutely. as a whole. Um, because having the right relationship, it, it really does complete you and it gives you so much joy and fulfillment in life. In my opinion, now I'm not a woman, so I, you know, it's very <laughs> hard for me to put words into no, a woman's I, mouth, but for me, it does. I, I would agree with you because for me, I, I was a whole person when I met you, right? Mm-hmm. I was an individual. I had a job. I had a degree. I was capable of supporting myself and doing my own thing. I didn't need or depend on another person. You were the same. Mm-hmm. You were a whole person. And had a house and a job and we got together, we got married. Now we were still two whole individuals, but now we became one unit, right? Mm -hmm. We were intertwined to the point where all of my weaknesses that I had when I was an individual were now being filled because those were your strengths and where all of your weaknesses were when you were an individual, we're not being filled because those were my strengths. Wait, I had weaknesses? <laughs> no, honey, you're perfect. <laughs> um, but society doesn't want women to know that, right? Society, the mainstream society, I should say, doesn't want women to know that there, that your weaknesses can be fulfilled and met through another human being where the church wants you to think that you can only be a whole person if you're married. Because I'm, let's be honest, the church never encourages anybody to stay single. Right. I mean, what, what was the motto at the school we went, the Bible college we went to? <laughs> Ring by spring or your money back. That's right. And I did not get one, just so everybody knows. I did not get a ring by spring. And I also did not get my money back. <laughs> That was false advertising. <laughs> but all of these different perspectives from the world around us impact us to the point that when we become mothers, when women do get married and start a family, I think it is a very difficult transition into motherhood. I remember crying because I felt like I lost my identity, right? After Anna was born and I didn't go back to work right away. And I struggled for a while. You know, I tried to go back when she was three months, and that's when she was screaming and crying, and I literally (laughs) was getting called home from work. (laughs) Like, you need to come home because she won't stop. She won't eat. She won't sleep. Like, I can't. You you have to come home. So then I went home, and I didn't go back until she was a year old. And that's when I decided to go back to the school and start working at the school, and my cousin watched her. Mm -hmm. But... Every day that I was working, I was literally calling and asking, did she eat her lunch? Did she go potty? You know, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to separate myself and it wasn't healthy. But at the same time, I didn't know how to stay home. I didn't know how that looked. Yeah. And I wasn't happy. I Because I didn't know how to make that function properly. And I don't think you really knew how to make it function because even though you had been through all these marriage conferences and everything else, you weren't hearing what the women were being taught. Right. And that's, that's why I say it really looks different for everyone. I mean, we have a, an outline to follow from the Bible. Um, and hopefully most of us had, you know, some type of role model. You and I really didn't have the greatest, you know, vision of what 
that looked like. No, so, I was deathly afraid of being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, so scared. Yeah. But you, but we had this innate desire to be parents, even though we didn't have an example of what that looked like. Yeah. In a healthy way. I mean, we had parents, but... I, I, do, I remember early on, you know, having a desire to have a family. I, I really had a picture in my mind of what it looked like and, you know, this cute house with oak trees in the yard and I wanted two cars, a dog and a wife and a kid. You and know? a white picket fence, you told me. And a white picket fence. <laughs> you know, th- this was the idea and I don't know where it came from. Uh, it just was there. Um, Which I find interesting because when I was growing up, I had zero desire to have a family, mm -hmm. zero desire to have children. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to have a house in the mountains, a house in the city. I didn't want to be dependent on anybody. I was only focused on what I could do to help the world because I felt like as a lawyer, I could help improve people's lives mm -hmm. and how to enrich my own life. I wasn't considering anything outside of that until... At 18 years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. Man, you would have made a great lawyer, though. <laughs> I like to argue, don't you, I? You would <laughs> not want to go against Leslie as an attorney. <laughs> but I gave my heart to the Lord, and he completely shifted my perspective. I then decided that I probably should go into education because I like to educate people. I like to work with kids. I like to learn new things and teach people the things that I learn. So I went that direction. And as I was going that direction, I also had this overwhelming desire to want to be a wife and a mother. Mm -hmm. It's probably, uh, I, I can only say this is my opinion, but I would think that that is something that is built into every woman. I, I think that she was designed to want to have a family, you know, from creation and society and friends and people try to suppress that. But I, I think every woman really has a deep down desire to love and be loved and have and grow a family. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't somebody that just says, Hey, I don't want kids and I really don't want to be married. That's fine. I, as a, the majority, though, I think that, you know, whatever that percentage is, the majority does desire to have a family. And um, even people who don't know the Lord, who don't walk with him. Yeah. They, and, they have that desire. And even more to stay home. Right. And that's something that, you know, I still struggle with. You know, we had talked a little bit about that earlier today that um, you had that desire to be home at one point, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you, you weren't happy because you weren't home. And I also have that desire and I, I might be more, um, I don't know the word for it, but I'm, I'm not a typical man, I guess, no, but you do not fit any stereotype. I man at all. really desire to be home with my family. That is the, the largest desire in my heart to be home with my wife and kids. And if I could stay home and still pay my bills, I would do that. But the one thing that really trumps that, and I, and I think that is the majority for the men in, in the man's role, is the desire to provide. And if I didn't go to work every day and do what I need to do 
I couldn't provide for my family. And, and that home time really wouldn't be much if we didn't have a home to go to. Um, <laughs> you know, that is my role in this grand design. For my family dynamic, I am the one that goes to work and, and does what I do. Now, flip that coin over and, and look at Leslie's life from my perspective. What is that? You, I would love to know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think about my job and, and how physically and emotionally taxing it is. A lot of times I um, come home complaining about the um, adult children that I have to deal with on a daily basis and how straining that is. Now, when I look at your life and most, I don't know if your, your listeners are going to know or not, but we have six girls, mm -hmm. um, two dogs, a cat, three cows, six sheep, one, two, four, five, five sheep. Oh, no, six now yeah, because six we have a ram lamb. Soon to be more. Four goats and I don't know, like 3,000 chickens. <laughs> we have 25 chickens and five guineas, two bunnies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about the bunnies and the guineas. Anyways. Probably a plethora of rodents out. I, ha I have no one. Um, we're, we're adding animals every day. The point is. Animals are my love language. <laughs> what Leslie does in my perspective on a daily basis is in its entirety, a full-time job. We made a conscious open verbal decision in our marriage for Leslie to stay home and to take care of our family. Um, you know, she can get into more details about why and how, you know, that we came well, to that decision. Mostly just because I, I realized I couldn't juggle all of it. Some people are capable, but I wasn't. Well, and childcare, once we had oh, four children, yeah. was Two actually kids, it was too much. more than what she would make in a week, which I still would have been fine with if she would have been happy. Um, right. if, if that's something, you know, that she wanted to do, then I would have said, yeah, go do it. You know, we'll find a way to pay for the childcare. Um, but the point is her staying home, it really is a full-time job with overtime. You know, it would be a full-time job with one or two kids and no animals. And so all of you that may be listening that have one child and no animals, yeah, I still believe that that's a full-time job. It is difficult to take care of your home, staying at home, even with one child. A child can destroy um, <laughs> eight hours worth of cleaning in 10 minutes. Minutes? Seconds. Um, Seconds. <laughs> you know, and, and coming behind that child and cleaning up the messes and cooking and, you know, doing the normal cleaning and laundry and the running around and grush. I mean, it's, it is a full-time job. And not only is it a full-time job, it's very emotionally taxing. So when I, when I think about what Leslie does at home as a stay at home mom, I, I really respect what she does. And sometimes I can be hard on her. Um, <laughs> I come home super tired and I'm like, what's for dinner? And she's like, <laughs> I haven't even thought of dinner yet. Yeah. And, it, and, <laughs> You know, she doesn't realize it, but I, I do appreciate where she's at. And I, I know because I'm tired and I, you know, didn't deal with six, you know, <laughs> monsters well, all day long. Not, so. <laughs> oh, they're not always monsters. I mean, a lot of, 
a lot of times they are. Mm -hmm. But I'm not just dealing with them all day. I'm home educating them. And not only am I home educating them, I'm home educating six children at six different educational levels and six different learning styles. So I am not just being a, a teacher to one grade level. I'm being a teacher in multiple grade levels all day long. And not only is it, am I doing school from like 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., I'm still educating them after that. I'm helping them, you know, with chemistry in high school mm -hmm. to catch up with this and to get caught up on that. And now for all of you dads that are listening to this and thinking, oh, please, I could take care of my kid and, and it would be so much easier. Oh, you've said that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Leslie has gone on trips. I went to homeschool conventions out of state. And dad was left home for a week with all the kids and doing school and grocery shopping and cooking and laundry. And I will tell you what, it is a full-time job and I felt like a failure at it. You know, if you want to get gain some respect for what your wife does at home, send her out on a vacation and take over for her for a week. And not even a day because a day wouldn't even do it justice because that's kind of like the honeymoon phase, right? Mm -hmm. The first Hasn't day really you're like, oh, this is fun. And then the <laughs> next day you're like, whoa, I'm really tired. Oh, shoot. We forgot to do this. And then mm -hmm. the third day you're like, oh, my gosh, we're so far behind. We got to get on this. By dinner time, you're like, I'm so glad school is over. And everyone's like, I'm hungry. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going, that's why you're thinking mm -hmm. maybe just peanut butter and jelly is fine for dinner tonight or can we get a bowl of cereal sometimes that's okay it is and that was a hard thing for you to come to terms with i think well just like you you had to find your identity as a mother right and it took really years to do that it took a long time i i feel the same i think you know i had to find my identity as a dad and a husband and honestly i mean i i'm still learning that I don't think I'll ever stop learning that. You know, we mm -hmm. change as a couple and as, as people and I'm still learning who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And I think my greatest struggle, uh, which we didn't really get to the root to until 12 years into our marriage, was that I didn't, I felt like my whole identity had to be my family, right? Mm-hmm. You kept telling me, you need a hobby, you need a hobby. And I was like, how do I have a hobby? I have kids. And I don't have time. To... And the reality was I did not have time to have a hobby. I was nursing or pregnant for, what, nine and a half, ten, eleven, Don't look 12, at me like that's my fault. Twelve years straight. <laughs> twelve years straight, I was yeah. pregnant and nursing. So I didn't really have a lot of time. You know, I would go to like a mom's conference yeah. for like two days. Sometimes I would stay overnight in a hotel, but usually I would just come home at night and then go back the next morning. I didn't really get any time away to learn who I was as a mom, if that makes sense. I think it's difficult to figure that out from the position of a new mom too, if, if you don't already have an idea of what that something. looks like. And I think... And you used to fight me on this, but uh, I, I remember asking you all the time, what, is what, your do hobby? You, what do you do? What is your hobby? What do you do? And you couldn't really answer that. And that was a, a very confusing situation for me because I had multiple hobbies. 
<laughs> you have more hobbies than you have time, for sure. <laughs> and that is a problem with me. I think I do have too many <laughs> hobbies. But anyways, I, I do believe, I, I firmly believe that a healthy human being needs a vent. And, and that vent really boils down to a hobby, something, something that you do that is fun and relaxing and can get you out of the, the craziness of your normal life. And for me, that is wood shop. Right. Um, no, that's farming. That's wood shop. That's wood shop, mechanics. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, I see, I have a lot of things that I can go to that do that for me, but you, you know, as a person, somebody really needs at least one of those things. And if you don't have one of those things going into motherhood, then I think that makes it more difficult to, to figure that thing out at that point because you do become so busy. And you you feel like you've lost your identity in the chaos of being a mom. Your kids are constantly demanding from you and you're trying everything you can to meet all of their needs all the time. And I mean, it, let's be honest, it never stops. Like you don't really get a full night's sleep. <laughs> no. You're meeting their needs from the moment they're born 24 seven. And you know, if you're lucky enough to have a husband who can wake up in the middle of the night because he doesn't have to get up early and go to work the next day to help feed the kids, which when the twins were born, you did, you would get up with Anna and Sarah so I could take care of the twins. And that was super helpful, but you were absolutely miserable because you weren't getting any sleep at all. Yeah. But trying to figure out who you are as a mom while trying to remember who you are as an individual is extremely difficult. And I struggled with that a lot because in my identity before I was a mom, I was a teacher. You know, I worked, I taught, I coached, I did all these different things, but then becoming a mom, that was all I did. And anytime I was doing anything outside of the house, I almost felt guilty or ashamed and I didn't know how to find that balance. And a lot of that was because of the root in me, a seed that was planted by the church that basically told me that that's how my life should be. And it wasn't until we kind of had a oh, coming to Jesus moment conversation. <laughs> I don't know how to You're describe it. You're not going to share it. our dirt, are you? <clears throat> oh, yeah. I'll share all of our dirt. But not until we had like probably one of the messiest, hardest discussions that we had ever had, the most vulnerable, the most raw that we had ever been with each other 12 years into our marriage that I realized that how I was viewing motherhood was wrong. I was viewing it so much as I had to serve these people. It, I was, it was necessary for me to serve them. To now I need to look at it how Yahweh looks at it, how the Lord looks at it. And he sees this as a blessing. <laughs> and, our, our kids keep coming in. Isn't and, like and nonstop. Throwing notes over the door. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't get a moment alone ever. Just give us five minutes. No, you? they will not. Um, But... I needed to realize that it was 
that it was actually a joy and that what I was doing was my purpose, right? I needed to step into that, but at the same time, I didn't need to lose my identity in it. Does that make sense? Because I felt like I had lost my identity. How do you have a hobby if you don't know who you are? Right. How can you, how can you be a wife if you don't know who you are? How can you be a mother if you don't know who you are? How can you be anybody if you don't have an identity and you don't know what your purpose is? I felt like, well, the church told me my only purpose now is to be a wife and a mother. So I'm at my husband's beck and call and I'm at my children's beck and call and I am neglected. And I said that for years, right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel loved. Yeah. I am feeling I am not getting any love from anybody. And when we had that conversation, when we had that moment, you were like, well, what do you need from me? And I'm like, I need you to ask me how I'm doing. Like nobody says, are you okay? What do you need? How are you feeling? What is? What are you going through? What are your struggles? And I think that's why moms feel so overwhelmed because you're stuck in your daily grind, getting up, going to work, coming home, having chores, kids, dinner, bed. You're tired. You're exhausted too. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about, oh, does my wife need anything from me? Is because... Same thing. I'm I'm just trying to get through what I have to do for the day. There's no time for anything. (laughs) Right. And so... I'm constantly going through this motion and trying to be everything for everybody else. And you are going through the motion of trying to be everything that you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And neither of us are really communicating the deepest parts of who we are and And what we need. And you need to make that time, even though you feel like there isn't time for that as um, a married couple. I I mean, marriage is, is work. And that's the work you need to put the time in. You need to stop for five minutes, husbands, and ask your wives, how are you doing? You know, like give the them deepest, a hug. Yeah. the deepest questions. And it's not a, you doing okay? How you feeling? Right. You know, that's so surfacy. Mm-hmm. You need to get to like the deep, deep part because how can I be a mom if the other part of this, this union, you, isn't connecting to that deepest part of who I am, mm-hmm. right? I, it's basically like sending me out in the ocean with no lifeboat. And, and nice we swim. did that <laughs> and we did that, right? We maintained this, this vision or this, I don't even know, facade of having it together, kind of. I think most marriages are like that nowadays, whether Christian or, or not Christian, I, I really believe 55, 60% of marriages that I know of kind of fake it. They, they're more acquaintances than right. a couple. Um, everything is very surfacy. And then five, six, seven years into the marriage. They realize how surfacy it is and they don't want it and anymore. Then they want out. Then they want out. Um, I'm getting divorced because... I don't love you anymore. Irreconcilable differences. Yeah. We're two different people. When... Well, did you get to know the person? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, and it's easy to walk away, right? Mm-hmm. Because your needs aren't getting met. You don't feel loved and you're willing to walk away at that point. Mm-hmm. I think. Marriages for... work. Yeah. And without that support, 
of your husband encouraging you and feeding you, you can't be the mom that you were created to be. And I couldn't be the wife either that I was created to be. And it doesn't put all of the pressure on the husband because I'm responsible for my own mental health, right? My own physical, mental, emotional health. I am 100% responsible for. Mm -hmm. But we got married to be a team. And if only one person is playing on the team, (laughs) the team gets really burned out. (laughs) You get into a you know, a cycle and, and somebody needs to break the cycle. And I, I really believe that it, it needs to be the husband because, you know, I, I believe that a woman is designed by God to be a helper and she can't be a helper if she's not being taken care of. And so that's where that vicious cycle begins. You know, you can't look at your wife as something to dictate over. You can't demand things over her. She's a human being. She has rights. She is equal to you. Um, the Bible says that he made them man and woman in his image. It doesn't say he made the man to rule over um, the woman and she needs to do everything he beckons her to do. Um, we have our roles. We're designed to do what we do. Um, and they're different. It's different. It's different. Yeah. It's different, but... It doesn't make us an equal. If a woman is created to be a helper, she can't help a man that, that won't allow her to help. And we kind of were talking earlier about, you know, a lot of men treat their wives like slaves. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you treat her like a slave, she's, you betcha she's going to act like a slave. Now, how does a slave treat their owner? They hate them. Right. They want to get away from them. They don't want anything to do with them. And I think that's where a lot of people's marriages are. And when a woman feels, it, it goes both ways, right? So we're it, in Ephesians, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives, submit to your husbands, right? Right. And the church twists that and basically makes it sound like, well... Husbands, you're the Lord over your wives and they have to respect you. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and I think we're, we're told to do that, one, because it doesn't come natural to a woman to respect anybody. It's, it's not in our nature. Men understand respect, but women don't. Yeah. Women understand love. Right. So I can love you. Those 12 years that we were doing the same cycle over and over again, I loved you with everything in me and I was doing everything I could. But it wasn't enough because I was doing it in my own strength mm-hmm. and it wasn't with the right understanding of the situation. But you men, you in general, and men in general, don't really fully understand love. It isn't in their nature. They aren't created to be nurturers and lovers. They're respecters, right? We're, we're designed to be rough, tough, and tumbly. Right. <laughs> Right? <laughs> so we're told what we need to do, where we need to fill that need. So I need to learn how to respect. And honestly, I would have never married you if I didn't respect you. Does that mean I know how to show respect? No, because it's not natural to me. Right? And I, and so, I would need to learn how to love. Right. And Because that's really not natural to most men either. Right. So as a wife, I need to tell you, this is what is love to me. And I had, to, and that's what happened at that 12 year mark. 
Because you're like, I don't know what else I can do because I'm doing this, 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 and you still don't feel loved. Like, how is that possible? And I'm like, well, for me, I need, I need you to hold me every single day. I need you to touch me. Love languages. And I need you to give me words of affirmation. I need you to tell me every day that you notice something I did well, that you care about what's going on in me. I need you to ask me, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really bad at that too. You are terrible You always say, did you notice what I, I did today? And I'm like, mm, no, no, <laughs> I don't notice things as a man. You, you just don't notice. Yeah, we things. know because you can open the fridge and the thing you want is sitting right in front <laughs> okay, of you. And you're no, like, where is this? Don't throw me under the bus wheel. <laughs> no, that's every, but that's every man. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that's an overgeneralization. Getting back to that point. I, I wholeheartedly believe that, it's it's the man's um how do i say this without sounding terrible <laughs> uh, just say it and we'll edit it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really i believe this is my opinion i really believe it's it's the man's position to stop that that bad cycle and if if a man in a marriage is taking care of his wife if he's providing for her if he's telling her hey i love you you know, what's going on in your life? Um, you know, come here, let me give you a hug. If he's doing all of that and, and fulfilling his wife's love language, well, what is the first thing she's going to want to do? Fulfill his. She's going to want to respect him and yep. love him. And what is the one thing that a man wants more than anything else in his marriage? Respect, respect and respect honor. And no, honor. food. Well, okay. Food is a close <laughs> second. Unless it's pie. Or, no. Um Number one thing is he, he wants to be admired. He wants to be respected. And um, I I don't think he can get that. And that's what men don't understand. You can't get that from your wife. If you treat a slave. You, you're going to, yeah. You, you Like a slave. Then. You're going to get a slave. You're going to get responded to like they are a slave. They are not going to respect you. They're not going to revere you. They are simply going to serve you. Yeah. Because they have to. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you work at your marriage and you make a conscious decision to, you know, do one or two of those things, even though as hard as they are. And listen, I'm, I'm a failure. I, I don't get them all. I'm not perfect. You are working on it every day. But, you know, if you attempt it, then your wife will notice that because wives do notice things. We do. We're very, very in tune to focusing on details. (laughs) And all of these things, you can't just start doing these and expect a result that day either. I mean, human beings in general, it takes, uh, I mean, depending on how bad it is, but if you're in a situation and you just think, I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to have the greatest marriage ever. (laughs) Wrongo. You know, you need to work through some things to get to that point and everyone does and we are as well right but just understanding your purpose as a human being will definitely help and and you've watched me struggle with that transition of how to be a wife Mm -hmm. how to be a mother how would you say that my understanding and concept of motherhood has changed since that pivotal time in that 12 year mark. I mean, we're coming into 18 years. 
So it's been five and a half-ish years, almost six years, since we had that really, like, (laughs) soul-wrenching encounter and discussion. Well, I think a lot a lot has changed. I, you know, I really see your your perspective on life in general has changed a lot. That doesn't mean I don't get overwhelmed still. No, though, right? I mean, no, I mean everyone last gets week overwhelmed. I was like, I'm leaving. That's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. See you guys later. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> everyone's going to get overwhelmed. You really just have to understand that you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get to the point where you want to quit and, you know, you have to make the decision before you get there that, hey, I'm going to work through this. That way, when that situation does come, you're prepared to answer it the right way. Right. And I see that happening a lot with you, even though a lot of times you say that, you really don't mean it. Whereas prior to that, like you meant it, like I'm leaving, I'm out of here. You guys are on your own. I only said that one time. <laughs> and, um, and when I said that, that one time, that was the that was what preempted that entire yeah. moment. The the biggest difference that I see in you is that you you did find who you are. And now you're you're working on becoming the person that you really always wanted to believe, be, I believe. You know, I married you as a city girl and kind of tricked you into thinking that I was a city boy when really I was a redneck farm boy. And the that was really hard deception. on you. That was that was really hard on you. You that was a that was a difficult transition yeah. for you to come home one night and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna go hunting," and I'm like, "Wait, we don't kill things." <laughs> what do you mean you're gonna go hunting? No. So there was at one point in our life that I came home and told Leslie, "I think we're gonna get goats." <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> No, you you came home and said, I really want goats. I'm like, that would be a good idea. But I, we had already just had chickens and ducks. Yeah. And I had just had a baby. And we had just moved to Acreage where we could even have animals in a garden. So I, I think that the animals really brought something out in you that you didn't even know existed. And that is kind of the point that I'm making if, if you don't know who you are, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you're right, I really don't know who I am as a person, then you need to start trying things. I'm not saying go get a cow <laughs> or even a chicken or a gerbil. I'm saying, you know, try things. Go take a one-time art class. Go learn to crochet. Learn to crochet or take learn a cooking play, class. or Learn to play guitar Play or an piano. instrument. Um, see what you like. You know, I, I think a lot of people just don't try a lot of things. But for you, um, fur babies are your love language. Like, they are something that really touch your heart. And so, we just threw animals at you. <laughs> You're like, no more human babies. We're just going to give you fur babies for now. <laughs> so, no, and, and I, I'm 100% happy um, with with the animals. I, I would have hundreds of animals if I could. <laughs> How did it make you feel to watch me struggle with that transition going from not having kids and, and just struggling with the fact of being a wife to that struggle and that transition of being a mother? Because I felt like 
when we first got married, I'm like, let's wait at least a year before we get pregnant. I mm-hmm. don't know how to do this wife thing. Mm-hmm. I want to figure this out. And then we got pregnant right away. And then I felt like a complete failure because I was super, I'm like the most emotional mm-hmm. woman when I'm pregnant. And I typically am not super, I wasn't not emotional before I got pregnant. <laughs> I, was, I felt I was your very, pain. I really did. I, I, for me, you know, I was, when we got married, I was, um, what's the word for it? Elated. I, I mean, I was in euphoric. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> like you were euphoric because I, I had always wanted a family and, you know, this was the start of my family. So I, I was on a different playing field than you. And well, you when were I saw, five and a half years older too. Yeah. When I saw that you were struggling with it because I didn't see it right away because I was so wrapped up in my own euphoria that, you know, it didn't really hit me that my now new spouse, whom I'm supposed to be really reading, I'm not reading because she's like, ah, what's going on? And I mean, the, the fact that, like, I threw a pregnancy test at you yeah. and anger didn't click, like, <laughs> oh, she's not super happy about this. <laughs> I thought it was playful banter, but... <laughs> There is no way. Like, I was no. so angry. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it really hurt me emotionally. I mean, it, it really was kind of a knife stab to me. But I didn't know how to fix it either. You know, because I was really finding my identity as a husband and now a father. Right. And, and I remember and I you saying to me, like, I am really scared to be a dad. And I, I, and I was dad, like, yeah. well, why? Because you know what not to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, while you're saying that, that internally I'm struggling with, well, I just still don't even know how to be a wife, yeah. let alone a mom. And now I'm failing my husband. I'm failing my unborn child. I've completely failed as a human being. That's how I felt before I even had a daughter. Yeah. I don't think it really affected me as badly as it affected you. And, and what kind of, it, it hurt me. To not realize that it hurt you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then once I did realize that it was really affecting you, that also hurt me, you know, and I... I had a lot of growing up to do, right? I was 26 when we got married, Mm -hmm. and I had lived on my own for five years, but I still had a lot of growing up to do. There were a lot of life circumstances that I hadn't really been faced with and a lot of things that I didn't consider before we were in that moment. Oh, I know a lot of people that are in their 50s that still have a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> That's true. Or 60s, 70s, uh-huh. whatever. They're, they're never going to grow up. <laughs> but, you know, I think for me, I had this, I, I had these grandiose ideas mm-hmm. of what being a wife was and what being a mother was. And I think everyone really needs to let go of that. Expectation. Ex- expectation. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't really cookie cutter. Um, <laughs> a lifestyle like that, you, you really have to let it become what God really designed it to be. And it's hard to know how that looks. I have friends who aren't Christians who don't pray. They don't read their Bible. They don't go to church. They have no relationship with the Lord whatsoever. And they have really strong marriages, mm-hmm. but these people put 
all of the work necessary into those relationships. Like they understand the priority mm-hmm. of relationship. Yeah. And I think that's what's really missing for us. Yes, it's the Lord because he is our creator. He's the one that has created marriage. He's the one that's created this whole idea of a family unit. So for us, that foundation is absolutely necessary. And that's what brings us back to center. It can happen for people who don't have that center, but I feel like they probably feel like a little something might be missing. But how do you ever really fully know what your purpose is until you seek your creator to figure that out? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how to find that purpose, or if you don't know what that purpose is, how can you really fully walk in any role in your life? How, how am I going to know? I didn't No, even though I had a relationship with the Lord, I did not know what motherhood was supposed to look like. I had an idea. It should be fun. I should love these children. Never considered the fact that it would be so overwhelming. I'd feel like I was drowning in diapers and puke. Ugh. You know? (laughs) You know? I'm sorry. I had some flashbacks when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) We had some moments, man. (laughs) We had moments. But I never considered the emotional toll that was going to have on my physical, mental, and emotional state. And I went through some really dark times in that transition of understanding my expectation of motherhood versus what motherhood actually looked like. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't want to confuse anybody and make them think that I've got it figured out because I for sure don't. I'm still like, Still figuring it out because as your children grow, your understanding of motherhood grows and your relationships are changing and how you interact with your kids is changing. And I'm going to say I've probably cried more tears with teens (laughs) than I did with toddlers. Would you agree? You? Yeah. For sure. I I don't know. I, I probably shared a lot of tears with toddlers too. Yeah. Yeah. But you were never home to clean up the poopy messes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have cleaned my share of messes. Oh, motherhood is a beautiful journey if you let it be. Let I it think come. that <laughs> we're not singing. We're not breaking into song. <laughs> I think that is the thing that I've learned the most out of the last 17 years is that it can be beautiful, even though it's overwhelming, even though there are days you want to run away, even though there are days I remember sitting on the floor with the girls and just crying like they would cry and I'd sit down and cry with them because it was just it was a lot like it's hard to be a kid and it's hard to be an adult. And we're all learning at the same time. So I keep trying to tell the kids like I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the things I'm learning while you're learning, we're all figuring it out. I would say that somebody is thinking about starting a family and how many kids do I want to have? That wasn't even something we really talked about. I would say <laughs> have as many kids as you can because through all of the struggles that we have with six girls... The good that comes from them far outweighs anything bad and, and being tired. I don't even really remember the tiredness and I know that it was really bad. <laughs> I know. 
There are two years when the twins were babies that I struggle remembering anything. I mean, literally, not joking at all. I struggle remembering anything in those two years well, because Sarah I was, was working only... 12 to 14 hours a day. We were Sarah up. Sarah was a baby. Yeah. Both of us were, were up baby. at least four to five hours through the night. Oh, yeah. And I, I just don't remember those two years. It was it was a rough time. It was very rough. But, you, you know, I look at them now and it just, the, the bad didn't matter. It just really doesn't matter. It's kind of like. A woman going through labor, right? And after that baby's in her arms, the pain of labor is just gone. Is it? Yeah. Oh. You don't even think about it. I Unless your remember, body tries to kill you like mine did. I only six. remember feeling <laughs> sick to my stomach when you would go to the hospital. <laughs> and I could not get that sickness to go away until you got your epidural. And then all of a sudden, when you were fine, then I was fine. I didn't have an epidural with the last one. I know. But, <laughs> but we had lots of practice by then, so... I can't even believe that you stood for those epidurals, Mr. I can't stand the sight of needles. Well, I just, you were in so much pain. It just was killing me. It, it literally made me have, it was like an anxiety attack and it would literally physically make me sick. Yeah, that was bad. And it would instantly go away when I could see it on your face when that pain alleviated. I was like, oh, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> You're so weird. <laughs> See, you're definitely probably the most compassionate and empathetic side of this marriage relationship. Where I am more of the just, I don't know, strong-headed and just suck it up and move on kind of a person. I don't think that you're that. Oh, yes, you are. I remember with one of the kids getting hurt and she was crying and I looked at it and it wasn't even bleeding. And I'm like, you're fine. Walk it off. And you're like, oh, my gosh, can you just be a little bit more compassionate? Just give her a hug and tell her she's going to be okay." I'm like, whatever. She's seven. Walk it off. (laughs) Yeah, I I really I don't think you're, you're that hard. You definitely I would say you're on the the opposite side of that scale than than most women. But I think I'm on the opposite side of the scale for most men. Right. So that's like where my weakness is that you fill in because that is your strength. And we were, we were that way. I think before we got married. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because I remember like before we got married telling you how I changed the oil in my car. I, you know, I did all of these like masculine things. How come you never changed the oil in your car now? Because I married you. I don't have to anymore. (sighs) But, um, dog or husband, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but then when we got married and I got pregnant and I got super emotional during our pregnant, my pregnancy and you were like, oh my gosh, where did my wife go? (laughs) Who is this person? Because I was very, like pretty even keel before that. But, I mean, that's a story for another time. That was a whole different, like, health issue, I think. Hmm. But my understanding of what a mom looks like has completely changed. And I would never, ever, ever discourage a mom from either staying home or working full-time or even part-time at this point. Because I believe wholeheartedly that each family 
has a different purpose in this world and is going to contribute something a little different than another family. Yeah. <clears throat> so what our family is supposed to do is a little different than, you know, the Pearsons or the E-Checks or everybody's family looks a little different. Yeah. Follow, follow <clears throat> your heart. You know, if you, you feeling like you want to, you know, as a woman, you want to go back <clears throat> to work, then that's probably what you should do. You know, if and that spirit inside of us yeah. leads us with, with and peace. don't, don't feel, um, uh, compelled. I, I'm really bad with big words cause I'm so simple, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as, as a woman, I would say, you know, from a man's perspective and don't let people look down on you for wanting to be a stay at home mom. I, I think that's the most respected position in my opinion that a woman could really have it's probably the most honorable position that i've ever served i think there's more fulfillment in that from my perspective again you know and not to say that you know like you you wanted to be a lawyer um you know if you if you want to be a lawyer be a lawyer but don't be afraid to be a mom too right yeah and if you can do them both and you can do them both well, I have friends, yeah. man, they were teachers and they had four kids and their kids were in sports and they coached and their kids went to different schools and they did awesome at it. They excelled. Like it was something that they could do. Yeah. I just, I wasn't equipped for that. And finding out who I was, that journey was arduous. It was very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And you walked with me. Through all of that. I walked in it. You carried me. I had deep boots. You had waders. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty deep sometimes. Did we mention that we had cows and sheep and stuff? Yes, I've told them. Right, you know what you get when your cows and your sheep are really hungry and you don't feed them, right? A bad mood. <laughs> but um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so all of this, Super Don's going to have to edit <laughs> because we've been recording for over an hour. Oh, really? It has it been over like an hour. five minutes, I thought. It felt like it. Hmm. Well, <sighs> I know that Don's very super. He is amazing, isn't he? So he can probably make it five minutes. Yeah, he probably could. He'll be like, yeah, I got like 20 episodes out of that <laughs> one recording. Thank you. So... I guess I'm going to end this with motherhood looks different and is de designed to look different for every single person. It's the definition of it is no, no controversy. If you're a mother, it's because you have children. Right. <laughs> that's what's, that's what makes you a mother. How you walk in that role is going to look different for every single person. And that is okay. Find the joy in the moment that you're in. If your kids are super little and they're pulling off their diapers and smearing their poo on the walls. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, we've been there. <laughs> Find the joy in it. If they are teenagers and they're rolling your eyes every time you talk, find the joy in it. Find where you are. Find the blessing in that moment. Find how to minister and speak to the hearts of your children and walk in the fullness of what motherhood is. 
and thanks for listening <laughs> to another episode of Stay at Home Mom <laughs> <laughs> with your host Leslie Goodgasol and my amazing husband James. <laughs>